You're listening to The Real Wealth Show with Kathy Fetke, the real estate investor's resource. Demand for single-family rentals is skyrocketing in many markets across the U.S., and the new build-to-rent trend is on fire to help meet that demand. I'm Kathy Fetke, and welcome to The Real Wealth Show. Today, we'll hear from a property manager that we work with in Florida who is in the middle of this new rental strategy. He says demand is so strong, there's a wait list of tenants and investors lining up to buy these newly available homes. And by the way, there's still time to sign up for our virtual live event that we're hosting tomorrow. That's Saturday, the 26th. I'm going to be interviewing a panel of investors, comparing their experiences with both turnkey and new rental homes. And we'll also have builders and property managers showcasing available build-to-rent properties. The event is free, but you do need to be a Real Wealth member. But don't worry, it's free to sign up to be a member at realwealthshow.com. And then you'll get information on how to join that event. So now back to the show and some very valuable information on several hot build-to-rent markets in Florida with property manager, Chris. Welcome. Well, thanks for having me. Good to hear your voice. It's always good to reconnect somehow these days. Zoom is as good as it gets, so I'll take it. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Um, I really was looking forward to having you on because, in my opinion, property managers are really the, uh, they have their finger on the pulse of what's really going on. And you are right in the heart of, in my opinion, what's going on, you know, that um, most of Florida, but I think the areas where you are managing in Florida are, are red hot, but I want to hear it from you. So tell me how now, how today differs than say a year ago, a year okay. ago. Yeah. So yeah, we're, we're, we're six months into this uh, new life now, aren't we? Yeah. Um, got my mask over here to the side. I'm still, uh, I'm still wearing, I'm still uh, wearing the, uh, the, the uh, disposable masks because I'm not, yep. I'm not willing so am to. I. <laughs> this is here to stay, but it may be. Um, but yeah, so, you know, from a year ago today, uh, you know, we're really seeing just the highest occupancies that we've seen really ever. So I've, I've been in property management now for, for 10 years. Um, I got involved in real estate and property management right, you know, right after the 2008 crash. So a little over a decade ago. And really, we're seeing the best occupancies that we've seen, the fastest lease up times, and the highest rental rate increases that I've, that I've seen since I've, I've been involved in, in real estate. And, you know, we're, we're mostly in Florida and, and Georgia. So obviously we focus on, you know, growth markets. So Florida and, you know, that Atlanta market, you know, is, is the only market that we're in in Georgia. You know, those markets were growing prior to COVID. Uh, and what we've seen since then is we've actually seen a, uh, a, a even more than normal out-of-state tenants coming in and relocating. Um, we've seen, you know, a lot of folks from the, the northern states uh, move in this direction. And, uh, and, and I think, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't take a whole lot of that sort of population change in, in, in direction of where they're going to live and demand to make a big impact on occupancies and lease up times, because we were already, you know, at a fantastic point in the market when COVID hit from, a, from an occupancy standpoint. So, you know, there's, there was very tight supply for rental inventory. There still is. Uh, like I take our, our, our Southwest Florida market, for instance. You know, we've met with the, the city leaders down there and they're several thousand rental units short for the demand. 
And they actually went through in Cape Coral and rezoned much of the remaining vacant land to a higher density to allow for more rentals in the community because they're just out. So, um, so this has been, you know, obviously great for, you know, us and all of our, our clients out there looking to, uh, to build and, and, and rent homes. Incredible. So is there a part, of, let's say a, an area that's been more in demand than others? Is it due to certain employers or just in general, people are realizing they can live anywhere and, and are? Well, you know, so it's a little bit hard to say because we're, we're in kind of the middle of everything is happening all at once. So Florida and Atlanta have, have been growth markets, you know, tr- just Already. traditionally. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, Florida ha- has historically had, you know, no less than a 10% population increase every decade since they've been doing censuses. So, um, you know, that, that already, you know, may, you know, makes it such a strong growth market. And then on, on top of that, we've seen so much, um, you know, so many additional folks uh, moving into these markets. And, you know, so we've got a lot of jobs to support them all. So, you know, we, we see like in our Ocala market, for instance, that market has just exploded with all sorts of distribution and warehousing and not just Amazon. We love Amazon, by the way. They're popping up all over the place, adding jobs in every single one of our markets. But, you know, Chewy has opened a new distribution center there, FedEx, a new distribution center. There's a, you know, a several hundred million dollar world equestrian center uh, that's, that's being put up there right now. In addition to, you know, smaller businesses and, 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 and a lot of medical that, uh, you know, don't really make the newspapers. And so that just continues to grow and it continues to drive incomes as well. So, you know, we're, we're seeing, you know, we, we obviously, as we're underwriting these tenants, we see what the credit scores are and what the, uh, the income of the, of the folks are. And oddly enough, you know, you hear about everything that's going on out in the world with COVID. And I'm sure that there are, are people that are, are really being negatively impacted by COVID. But what we've seen here is we've actually seen better credit scores and higher incomes uh, over the last few months than than we had traditionally seen. So again, if they're coming, I, if they're coming from New York, then they more than qualify, right? They could probably rent an entire four bedroom house versus a teeny studio apartment. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly it. Well, and you know, you know, we look at that same same from from an investment perspective, you know. And I I talked to one of my buddies that's an investment banker up there in New York, and. You know, we laughed. I bought a small apartment building for a million dollars and he bought a uh, thousand square foot uh, condo for a million dollars. <laughs> Who got the better deal? Yeah. Mm. So, <laughs> um, you know, so anyway, you know, but yeah, you're absolutely right, Kathy. I mean, that's that's what we're seeing is these folks that are coming in uh, with even higher incomes than than the folks that we have traditionally seen. So, you know, we've obviously had to keep an eye on uh, you know, really watching to make sure that everybody is still employed that's mm-hmm. coming in. So that's been a you know a big push for our credit team here, which is to make sure that these folks that are are giving us pay stubs still actually have a job. So you know, it's it's been a lot more um, sleuthing on the back end just to make sure that you know everybody's being honest mm-hmm. and telling the truth. And uh, we have caught a few people trying to to slide in that that aren't still employed. But that's, that's a minor, you know, that's a minor issue compared to all the, you know, the positivity that we're seeing out there in the market. Now, would you let someone like that uh, rent if they paid, say, six months up front or something? No. So, you know, folks, you know, so we have to follow fair housing laws. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we have certain income requirements uh, for, uh, for all of our tenants. And so we we really can't make exceptions for, Mm. 
one individual over another. So, you know, if, if they don't meet the income requirements across the board, then, then we're not able to approve them for a home. Okay. That makes sense. Is there a wait list for properties or how, how's the supply demand issue? Yeah, we, we, we do have a wait list. So, you know, we're building homes for ourselves to hold in our own personal portfolio, and we're building homes for all of our clients that are all over the country and the world. And so what we try to do is we try to make sure that as we're building these homes, we're building only as many as we think that we can rent every single month. And so we try to have the homes rented within 30 days after we get a certificate of occupancy. Well, you know, we've been chugging along prior to COVID and, you know, we were 25 days, 35 days, you know, always sitting one side or the other on that 30 day mark. Well, we're now renting the homes in 16 days from certificate of occupancy. So it doesn't seem like a lot from 30 to 16, but we're renting them 50% faster. And so a lot of these homes are even being rented prior to the new owners that, that we sell, that we're building the homes for, prior to them even taking ownership of the house. And so we obviously weren't anticipating just this massive amount of additional demand that's happened over the last six months. So we had not put enough inventory on the ground. So we're pre-leasing properties, you know, getting deposits prior to even having a CO in many cases, because people love the product, you know, and a lot of the areas that we're in, these new homes with the granite countertops and undermount sinks and vinyl plank floors and just brand new everything, stainless appliances, people walk in and they want that. People are spending more time in their homes. They're working from home more regularly. And so they, they want to be in a nicer home because they're spending a lot more time there. So people are actually willing to wait for, uh, for our new construction product because it's just that much nicer than what they can get out there for something that they can get today. So, so we've had um, in our Ocala market, we've had a lot of folks waiting as much as a month for COs to move in. In Atlanta, we've got uh, we've got one of our communities that has a wait list for not not just the the building that's about to be CO'd, but the building that's about to be CO'd after that. So, oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah, it's because uh, it, up there we're building you know these these eight units. So this so yes, I, uh, the waiting list is there, and people are getting on, and they're happy to, and they seem to be willing to to wait and to get into what they want. And it appears that they're, they're able to. So I've, I've heard that in some of the, like the large, you know, really dense multifamily um, communities that, you know, they've actually been allowing people to go on a month to month basis. Uh, So it's really enabled tenants to wait for our product that really, you know, that really want that new construction. Unbelievable. I mean, back in March when all this started and uh, there was the, the closing of businesses. Well, I don't think that happened in Florida quite. In March, <laughs> but at least in California, you know, we had the stay-at-home orders and the closing of businesses, and and uh, oh, it was, it was just like terrifying. The eviction moratoriums, and um, and we all gathered the the property managers that we work with at Real Wealth. We got together on a Zoom call saying, "What should we do?" I'm sure you remember that, and yeah. it was terrifying, right? We had no idea how things were going to turn out. I I mean, would you have predicted this? demand this kind of v-shape recovery in both rental and uh home sales well no i would not have predicted i mean i you and i were on the same call and i was just as terrified as you were and um and and yeah it was uh uh we were scared i mean you know going into going into april we thought oh my gosh you know half the people aren't going to be paying 
and our property management team really went out and, and, and was proactive with our tenants. And, you know, we wanted to make sure that the tenants knew, hey, look, if you've really been impacted by COVID and, you know, you've had a legitimate loss of income, come talk to us and let's, you know, we'll, you know, we'll talk with you and we'll talk with the property owner and see what we can figure out. But on the other side, if you have not been impacted, you know, if you're still getting paid and you're just working from home, you know, it is your duty to pay your rent and, and you know, we're going to hold you to that. And so, you know, we had a lot of conversations with, uh, you know, with our tenants and with our landlords and got out in front of that. And, um, and I think a lot of other folks did as well. And, um, you know, and our tenants responded, you know, people want a home, you know, they, they don't want their home to be at risk. And, you know, if they like where they're at, they realize that if, if, if they can pay and they don't pay, whether or not they could be evicted or not at that point in time, the landlord's going to remember that. And, and they're going to non-renew them when, when the time comes. So, you know, we've had just, you know, an amazing bunch of tenants that have really pulled their weight, honestly. Um, you know, they've, they've really, if they, if, if they had their job, they've continued to pay. You know, we, we looked at a, we had our leasing meeting last week. We currently only have 2% of our tenants that are not paying. And there's, you know, there's a couple, you know, there's a few in that bunch that are really just trying to take advantage of the system, but really very few people are taking advantage of the uh, opportunity, I guess. So it's, uh, it, give, you know, it, gives, it gives me a lot of faith in humanity, honestly, that uh, people are really, you know, for the most part, trying to pull together and, and you know, not cause problems where they don't need to and, and help each other where, where they can. Well, I think it really comes down to nobody wants to end up on the street, you know, and if you do get evicted, it's at least I, I believe in Florida, it's going to be harder to rent. I mean, are you, do you look up evictions when you're screening? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, don't quote me on this, but I think it's seven years uh, is our, is our rule. So if anybody's had an eviction within seven years, um, they can't, they can't rent a property from us. Yeah. So that, I mean, that in itself is reason to not want to be evicted at a, certainly yeah. at a time like this, um, where, where you wouldn't be able to rent again. So it makes sense that people would try to find a way to, to pay and make, uh, you know, staying in the home a priority. Whereas sometimes, you know, we'll see a tenant not paying and, and then they just bought a new car. So, yeah. <laughs> um, right. But uh, oh, we don't see that very often. So, yeah, I mean, the stimulus certainly helped. The stimulus absolutely helped. Like it's the, the low rates and the, that keep, is keeping the housing market growing with, with prices actually increasing. Uh, that's that's amazing, and that's of course due to low interest rates and tons of of uh, stimulus given to the banks to keep lending. Um, and then on the rental side, for the tenants, they've received incredible stimulus. If they got on unemployment, there's some sometimes they made more than uh, than when they were working. Uh, so that's obviously kept things pumping in the housing market. But what now? I mean, it seems like Congress can't come up with another stimulus or, or they won't, or, or maybe they will, who knows? Uh, we've got another extension for the eviction moratorium. Do you have concerns about the next three months or do you think it'll just continue the way it's been over the last few months with tremendous demand, both from home buyers and from tenants? Well, so I'm a conservative real estate investor, so I'm constantly nervous about everything. Yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, welcome to my world. You know, Rich is like, why do you worry about everything? <laughs> 
because that's my job. <laughs> exactly. You know, we, we wouldn't we wouldn't uh, we wouldn't be uh, doing our investors and customers uh, justice if we weren't worrying about these things. So, uh, so yeah. So we constantly keep an eye on it, and you know, like I said, we've only got two percent of the tenants that aren't paying right now. So it's a relatively manageable number for for our team to stay focused on. And, you know, and we're, we're doing all sorts of things with these folks just to try and get them out of the home or, or work with them in some other way. So when people get in that situation, the first thing that we try to do is identify, are they, are they really legitimately in a hardship situation? And then that tells us where, you know, where to go next. So it's real easy with the ones that aren't in a hardship situation. You know, we, we actually are able to, um, we are able to evict right now for tenants that, that their lease has expired. So you're not allowed to evict for non-payment, but you you are allowed to evict currently um, if somebody's basically just holding over in your property. So there are certain circumstances where that's happening. So our team's keeping a close eye on you know lease expirations for you know for tenants that are behind on their rent currently because it does you know it does allow for that. And then additionally the tenants that are non-communicative that that are not paying. So we can't determine one way or the other as to, to whether they really have experienced a hardship. They have been required to fill out an affidavit stating that they are in fact impacted and give that to a to a judge. So, you know, I will say there's been some positive steps, you know, to just help, you know, keep everyone accountable along the way from a tenant perspective on if they are are not paying rent. But you know, for the most part, what I think is going to happen is I, I think things are going to continue to move along the way that they that they currently are, which mm-hmm. is back to what you said earlier. People don't want to see the eviction on their record. They need a home. They need stability for their family. And if they want out of their current home and they want to upgrade, well, you know, for us in the build to rent, that's obviously fantastic because there's nothing like upgrading to a brand new home. So, you know, anybody that wants to get out of a, a, a property currently is, is probably doing so and upgrading. So we're cautiously optimistic that things are going to continue to move along as they are. I did a report, oh, geez, this was right back in April when all this started, you know, end of March, early April. And, and about 15% of our tenant base was what we deemed to be, uh, you know, kind of at risk for, you know, hugely negative impacts related to COVID. So service workers and things like that, uh, you know, restaurant workers. And um, and a lot of those folks are back to work. So, you know, while they might not be earning as, as much as they, uh, as much as they previously were here in Florida, I mean, I've been out to dinner three times in the last week. And while the, the tables are definitely spaced out, uh, more than they were before. These places are pretty busy and they're putting tables in the parking lots and on the sidewalks. And, yeah. you know, so for the first time since this started, uh, you know, our waitress at my favorite restaurant uh, here in Jacksonville, she came to our table and she's like, oh my gosh. She's like, I've just been so busy. She goes, I just need to, I need a break. I need to go home. She goes, I've just been running my, you know, running my feet off tonight which obviously was music to my ears and I'm sure <laughs> her pocketbook. So, um, so yeah, so, you know, so cautiously optimistic, it's, it's going to carry on in, in that manner. And, I, mm-hmm. and I'll tell you, you know, the other metrics that we watch, um, like rent increases, not only are houses, you know, leasing up that we're finishing, but houses that are turning over. So if a tenant moves out of a house, uh, you know, we, we uh, at, our, at our leasing meeting this week, our average rental increase from 
a turnover. So meaning a tenant moved out and we placed a new tenant was 8%, which is just a phenomenal figure. So, I mean, eight, you know, 8% on, you know, a $1,500 a month rent. I mean, geez Louise. I mean, that's, you know, it's almost, you know, it's 8%. It's almost a whole extra month's rent for the year. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. Um, Do you see any potential overbuilding because, you know, Florida is the hot spot. It's where everybody wants to be building and investing, owning rentals and moving. I mean, do you have concerns about that? So at the moment, I don't. But again, I'm always concerned. So there's metrics that I watch constantly. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I'll, I'll give you a few, uh, a few examples. So Back in 2005, so a decade and a half ago. So again, remember earlier I said, you know, Florida normally grows at about 10% a decade. So we should have seen about 15% population growth, which we have or more in that time period um, since 2005. In 2005, in the greater Jacksonville area, which is our home base market. So Jacksonville, uh, St. Augustine, Amelia Island, uh, Orange Park, so that there's a five county area there. Uh, in 2005, we pulled 18,000 building permits in that, uh, that five-county area in a year. Right now, we are only on track for 12,000 building permits. Wow. And so, uh, so just that, that fact alone gives me comfort because I know, that, I know that the population has grown significantly, continues to grow significantly, and we're not putting nearly as many houses on the ground. And, and a lot of that comes down to, you know, I think you know, Kathy, but for, for anybody that's listening that doesn't, you know, we develop a lot of lots for national home builders. So we, we develop lots and, and build homes for rental that we sell to our clients, but then we also sell finished lots to national home builders. And for the longest time, that just stopped, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that is not a quick machine to turn back on. Right. You know, we've got projects that, that, we, that we acquired in 2016 that we're still in the permitting process on, you know, they, mm-hmm. they just take forever to get pushed through. Yeah. And so, um, so, you know, we're still having a hangover and from, from that, from that 2008 crash where everybody stopped developing land. And so that's, you know, so it's really, even though the builders could build more houses than they currently are, there's no lots to build them on in a lot of these mm. markets. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, so that's, that's, you know, that's what's actually hindering some of this, uh, the building side of things is, is just the sheer uh, lack of lots. Um, recently, uh, you know, obviously everybody right after COVID struck, the real estate market just went absolutely bonkers and new construction for sale to home buyers went, went through the roof as well. And I mean, we are selling lots to home builders and they're taking these lots early and they, they just could not they could get could not get enough lot inventory. Well, then something else snuck up on us, which was lumber prices went through the roof, mm-hmm. uh, and that went through the roof because obviously there's a huge demand. Everybody was trying to pull more permits, but the the lumber factories had shut down during COVID, and so there was a shortage of of lumber. Mm-hmm. So so then in addition to in addition to that, some of the builders pulled back and said, "Well, hey, we can't make our margins." So last month. Um, so it was in, in August, you know, we just got the August report. There were 17% less permits pulled in August than there were in July because people pulled back because of the lumber prices. Oh my gosh. So, so you've got all these starts and stops, 
which for us, we chug along. We're investors. We're looking for rental cash flow, just like all of our all of our clients are. So lumber prices go up a little bit or they go down a little bit. It washes out and we just keep, you know, we just keep chugging along and doing our thing. But all these stops and starts for us as investors are great. We want a short supply of lots and a short supply of houses, you know, because it keeps it keeps the rental rates increasing or at the very least staying where they are. And so, um, so anyway, so that's a, a long, long way to answer your question that at the moment, I am not concerned about overbuilding, but it's something that just as a careful investor, we have to keep our eyes on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's it. Okay. My final question, at least on this coast, on the, on the West coast, we're constantly hearing about storms and more storms and we're not even in storm season yet. So (laughs) how is an investor to relax and feel any kind of comfort knowing they've got properties in Florida? (laughs) Well, if it makes anybody feel any better, um, I have heard that this was the, uh, that this was the uh, worst uh, named storm season ever. Like they actually went all the way through the alphabet and had to start into the, into the, uh, into the Greek alphabet and uh, and I didn't even notice that we had any storms. It was just very rainy. Um, we've had a lot of rain, but that's that's been about the extent of it. So the news likes to make it feel like uh, th- that the uh, the state of Florida is going to be blown off the map by a hurricane. But when we listen to uh, California, I'm I'm concerned that everybody's house out there is under fi- you know is on fire. So I feel like everybody's got a fire burning around their their front yard. So it, it's. <laughs> It always it always feels worse from a so distance. That's true. Yeah. I mean the key is to not buy in a flood zone, right? Yep. That's Don't it. Buy in a flood zone and uh make sure you're covered with named storm coverage as well. Absolutely. You definitely you definitely want to have that coverage. And um, you know, and really where that coverage gets expensive is if you own a house on the ocean. If you don't own a house on the ocean, you know, the insurance companies adjust for the lower, you know, the lower risk level related yeah. to uh, being more inland. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my goodness. Well, so exciting. We're going to go over a lot more of this um, at our live event, which is tomorrow. And of course that is a live virtual event <laughs> on the 26th. And uh, I think if uh, most of our Real Wealth members probably have already gotten an announcement on it, but if you are listening and just thinking, wow, I'd like to own investment property, specifically new homes in Florida. We're going to be discussing that at the virtual live event, showcasing some of the available properties and having the property managers available to you know ask these kind of questions. Again, that's tomorrow or today, depending on when you're listening to this or yesterday or last week. Again, depending on when you're listening to this. So if you missed it, it will be uploaded on our website and recorded. But live is always better because you get to ask questions. Uh, again, you just go to realwealthshow.com to sign up for that event and find out more about investing in Florida and taking advantage. As, as I say, as I see it, it is like taking me back 15 years to when Rich and I bought properties in Texas and, and they were between $120,000 and $150,000 and they've tripled in value since then. Uh, but we cash flowed along the way. And um, it just seems like, I mean, what, what's the price point of these new homes? Well, you, you hit, yeah, you hit the uh, the nail on the head. So we are right now. I think our average price is is about one hundred and fifty two a unit, um, and that could be as uh, you know. So a single family home. I think right now our our single family homes are going anywhere from one hundred and sixty five thousand up to two hundred and nineteen thousand, and then we've got duplexes, triplexes, quadruplexes, 
our quads and duplexes, some of those are going for as low as 130000 a unit. And this is, that's incredible because you can get conventional finance on those and it is so cheap. So um, yeah, the really exciting stuff. I mean, again, it's, it feels like going back 15 years when we were paying the same prices in, in Texas, but now we can do that in Florida. I don't know why prices have remained so low in Florida, but I'm grateful. It probably has a lot to do with the fact that your foreclosure crisis dragged on for years, whereas like in California, we were through it in a year because you could foreclose in, in 30 days. In uh, Florida, it can take five years to foreclose because it's a judicial state. So I think that just kind of artificially kept um, your prices down for a while. And and maybe it just wasn't, there were so many people thinking, someday, someday I'm going to live there when I can, but that someday is now. So amazing. All right. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and for helping so many of our members uh, really build uh, a portfolio in Florida. Well, thank you, Kathy. I really appreciate you having me on. And thank you for joining me here on The Real Wealth Show. Again, you can sign up at realwealthshow.com to join our virtual live event tomorrow. See you then.